Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. My name is Cliff Duvinois, your host. Today, we are finally getting an opportunity to show the UP some love. But at the same point in time, we're going to continue our Halloween series. And I have to tell you, I'm really looking forward to, to chatting with these guys. I want to go ahead and introduce you to Brad Blair and Tim Ellis. They are the founders of the Upper Peninsula Paranormal Research Society. And if those names sound familiar, uh, that's because in the previous episode with Diana Stempler, she actually referenced working with them on a couple of investigations. So anyways, Brad, how are you? I'm doing great, Cliff. How about yourself? I'm doing well. Thank you for asking. And Tim, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Ah, uh, Cliff, I'm doing good. Anytime we get a chance to show our, our Upper Peninsula some love and talk ghosts, uh, we're always in a good mood. So thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you for being on the show today. With regards to the Paranormal Society, I just kind of want to jump right in here real quick. First, get a little bit of your backstory. So tell me, Tim, where, where are you originally from? Where did you grow up? Uh, right here in Sault Ste. Marie, Michigan, where we are still located. Grew up here, graduated high school from here, went off and ran around the Mount Pleasant area for a while while I got my degree in broadcast and communications at Central Michigan. And loving it where I grew up, I was, couldn't be happier to come back home and make my, my career here and, and, and loving here in Sault Ste. Marie. Nice. Brad, why don't you tell us a little bit no about where you're from? I am also from Sault Ste. Marie, Michigan. Tim and I and the third founding member of our group, Steve LaPlante, all grew up going to elementary school on through high school together. Where Tim went away to college, I stayed here, got a degree at Lake Superior State University, and I just, I, I've never had a desire to really leave the area. I was fortunate enough in high school, I took a job sweeping sidewalks, washing windows at uh, for a company that owns some souvenir stores down by the Sioux Locks, which right. is the big tourist attraction in town. And I never left. And it got to the point that they finally brought me into the business. And I know now own those stores and just uh, loving life in the UP. Now, with regards to the, the, the Upper Peninsula Paranormal Research Society, was this something that you guys have had an interest in since you know, childhood? Or is it something that you came upon later? What is your interest? Where does it come from for, for this? Well, as Brad had said, Cliff, you know, I, I find it very, very fortunate. Pretty special thing when three friends who grew up since meeting each other in third grade and ele elementary school are together now as uh, full-blown adults. And we still haven't outgrown this. We were, as kids, we were the ones who at slumber parties would be telling the ghost stories in the basement. We were the ones running through the cemeteries and looking for the old abandoned houses. And then we all kind of went our own ways for college for a while, and we were fortunate enough to all end up back here in our hometown, and we kind of picked it up from there. Uh, we took it now then to the adult level. You know, at 20-some at, at years old, you can't be running through these cemeteries anymore and not worry about getting in trouble with the cops. So we had to take it to the next level, which was to actually turn it into uh, researching this this subject matter that we loved so much as a kid. And the funny thing is, and we get this asked a lot, None of us, the three of us who founded the team, ever grew up in an actual haunted house. We never had that that ghost that you know was in the home with us. We just loved the subject matter, and we just never outgrew it. Yeah, and I think as kids growing up in the UP, you have to have a pretty good. You either really have to take to the outdoors and get heavily involved in, in you know hunting, fishing. None of us, Which, were, none of us were that kid, and so you have to have a pretty good imagination. Uh, just to keep things going, keep entertained. And it was it was a different time, of course. We grew up in the late 70s through the 80s, and we were on our bikes all the time, riding to the local library and checking out anything on the strange and the unusual. 
be it Bigfoot, UFOs, anything in cryptozoology. And all of us had this favorite uh, topic of ghosts and the supernatural. And we would check out these books over and over again. And that that really became the basis of uh, th- this heavy interest that we developed in the uh, paranormal. Yeah. And the funny thing is too, Cliff, when we uh, decided once we all graduated from college and it was mid nineties at that point, this was years before the onslaught of paranormal television shows would hit sci-fi channel and now every channel on cable TV. So when we started this research group, we didn't have the, the, the television shows weren't out yet. So we were kind of following in the footsteps of our, the, who we grew up reading, Hans Holzer and, uh, Ed Lorraine and Lorraine Warren. Warren. And and, yeah. And so we were kind of going back into the books that we read as kids to kind of blaze our way through this trail. Uh, and, and then I remember one day Brad calling me up on the phone and he's like, dude, you're not going to believe it, but I just heard the sci-fi channel is going to um, create this TV show based on what we've been doing. And and I, I we laughed about it because in all honesty, when you're in the middle of a, a paranormal investigation, hours upon hours upon hours, you're sitting in a dark room and a lot of the times nothing's happening. And I'm like, how are they going to make that entertaining? Well, here we are how many years later and it's some of the hottest stuff on TV. The magic of editing. Yes. Yeah. The magic of editing. And it seems like for a while there, every channel out there was having some parent, like even like the pet channel. They had yeah. like they had like haunted pet stories where people are talking about <laughs> ghosts of cats running around inside yep. of a house. I was like, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> there's a market for it. Yeah, yeah there's a market for it because I think that show's still on TV. Not, not that I watch it. Not that I watch it. Deny, <laughs> deny, deny, deny. Can't prove it. So when did you guys like decide to like actually formalize this? Like, hey, we're going to come together as a group. When did you guys decide to do this? And was there was there just some kind of event where you're like, you know what? We need to make this official. There was. Yeah, it, it really did kind of play out that way. Again, after we got back from college, we kind of picked up where we left off as as high schoolers. But I had went to school for broadcast and communication, so I work in radio here in Sault Ste. Marie, and I wanted to bring a live investigation to the radio station that where we nice. were, the radio station would be there live on location with, you know, but we needed a team. So we started researching. And again, remember, this is dial-up internet, right. <laughs> you know? <laughs> And we're, we're, we're scouring the internet to try to find a team to affiliate uh, ourselves with. Right. We, weren't, we weren't even looking at, you know, starting our own mm-hmm. breakout group at the time. We just, we were three guys at the time that knew that, that had a solid background in paranormal investigating what it, what it was in that day. Right. So we, we, we were looking and the closest we could find was a group out of Toronto. And of course, in Sault Ste. Marie, we're right across the river from Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario. Yes. So they were called the Ontario Ghost and Haunting Research Society. We reached out to them and we, we created the relationship. And even though it was us here by ourselves in Sault Ste. Marie, we were affiliated with them to start our first ever investigation, which was on the night of October 30th. And I think that one was 1999. I believe so. Yeah. And so that was our first ever investigation, which was part of the radio show, which we're still doing today. Every night of October 30th, we still go live with the radio station. And so that's where it all started for us. We, we took what we loved. We wanted to get a little more serious into it. We started with the Ontario Ghost and Haunting Research Society. And then about a year into that, that's when we had kind of formed our own team here of close friends. They were still, everyone on the team is close friends. And that's when we kind of started, uh, I remember sitting around my kitchen and we were discussing it and we're like, well, 
you know, why, why don't we kind of break off and, and just do our own thing? And that's when it happened. And Tim says we were part of the Ontario Ghosts and Haunting Research Society. We were using that for a name to put something out there yes. that, that had a website right. that uh, that seemed like we were affiliated with an official organization. We never actually met anybody from no. that group. <laughs> no, right. Other than a few emails <laughs> and them giving us their blessing to be uh, to, to put their name out there. Brad's absolutely right. We just needed something to hang our coat on for a while while we got our feet wet doing it at this level. Sure. Yeah. Now, wait, now when you form this, when you form this uh, society and you're like, okay, it's official now, we've, we've, we've got our name, you know, logo, whatever. Now all of a sudden it's time to go out and investigate. So for investigating, is it just, is it just you picking like abandoned buildings, abandoned hospitals, abandoned lighthouses we talked about before? Do people reach out to you and say, man, I, there's some weird stuff going on inside of my house. Could you guys just come over here and, and check it out? I mean, what does is, what is that all entail? Yeah, that's closer to it. I mean, first, once a team gets together, you've got to get your black t-shirts and coordinate. <laughs> so that's, you know, that's, that's how every team starts. But no, we've never done a lot in the way of soliciting as far as, and I know some teams do, and there's nothing wrong with that. But we had, said Tim said at the start, there weren't other teams anywhere in the area. So when we put our name out there and that we were doing this, we started getting people calling us and saying, hey, you know, this is happening in my house. This door keeps opening every night at this time. We hear footsteps. Can you guys come in and check it out? And yes, yeah, some of the bigger ones, some of the lighthouses we've done before uh, and some larger locations that other people had sent us stories on and said, hey, you guys really need to check this place out. They've got super creepy uh, haunting legends around it and stories and people at work there see this ghost every night in this room and you guys should get in there. Some of those cases back then, we would reach out and solicit. And as time went on, we found that we, we established a pretty solid reputation and it got to the point that people around the state started reaching out to us more and more to the point where we really, you know, everybody on the team has a real job, a career, a family. We didn't have the time to just hop in a van, take off and drive four hours, you know, conduct an all night investigation and come back. So, right. you know, it got to the point we kind of started to pick and choose. And then when the the television boom happened and as we mentioned, the, the shows on every cable network, the, the TAPS team, who was the original team from Ghost Hunters on Sci-Fi Network, which was the show that started it all, they found they were so inundated with cases that they started up what they called the TAPS family. And that was a, uh, a kind of a network where they would take teams in different areas and, and they did thorough background checks. You know, they needed letters from upstanding people in the area and the community. They wanted to know that you were a you legitimate. You guys were legitimate, organ. yes. Yeah, yeah, that it wasn't a bunch of a bunch of kids running around in abandoned buildings. So we, we ended up being the Michigan team for the TAPS family. So then we started getting some of their cases fed in. And eventually there was a team, it seemed, in every town, every city, because the genre got so big from reality television that oh, yeah. at some point we, we started farming out some of the investigations to other teams that we knew and trusted that we worked with throughout the years. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's, it's been kind of a wild ride. But I, I guess to answer your question, we, we wait for people normally to come to us. We, we don't go out uh, soliciting cases at this point. Right. Well, I can tell you that when I was living in California, I am convinced that the house I had was actually haunted. 
but I dare not reach out to a paranormal group because the last thing I wanted was actual evidence that the house was haunted. Cause I don't think I could have <laughs> slept in there. So there's those people who don't want to know. And then there's the, the, the people who want to know because they love being able to tell the story of, of having a ghost in their house. And God forbid you go in and explain away what's going on if it's not paranormal, because there there are people with that don't take away my ghost mentality that are not going to believe anything you tell them outside of, yes, your house is haunted. Yeah, and I absolutely agree with that. And just to you know, kind of share a little bit about my background here. So I come from an engineering background, and I actually have a group of friends out there that will actually say, man, Cliff, I can't believe that you believe in this mumbo jumbo because you're an engineer, you're a man of science. And I always tell them, I'm like, man, science is the beginning of understanding, not the ending of it. And so when something weird is happening in my house, my first thought is not, oh my God, it's a ghost, right? I'm looking for, you know, did I forget to lock that window or, you know, is a TV on or something? I'm always looking for, you know, that, that rational explanation. It's just that when really weird stuff happens, which has happened, which did happen in my house when really weird stuff happens. That's when I shake my head. And I, I, I'm just like, man, there's just something that I do not understand that is going on in this house. And I, I will admit that I don't know everything about everything. So for me to say that this world doesn't exist would be pure hubris on my part. But at the same point in time, it's not my default position. Right, right. Fair enough. You know, but, you know, kudos to you, Cliff, for keeping that open mind. And and if more people did at least keep an open mind to the possibility, I think we would find advancements in this field much more quicker than than it seems like we're always fighting that uphill battle yeah. to get recognition and or get the credence that, that that the study of this field does deserve. It's still, even with the popularity of TV shows, it's still kind of looked at with that raised eyebrow in some circles. Yeah. Speaking of raised eyebrows, I want to, I, I kind of want to, I want to delve into this. I, I would really love to, to hear a story about perhaps when you guys were doing an investigation or something that just made every, you know, hair on the back of your neck, just stand straight up. I mean, just something that was, that just really just completely creeped you out. Yeah. Easy. Yeah. It, it's our go-to every time we're asked this. Uh, quite often sorry, sorry. we're- are you, are you holding a flashlight now underneath your face as you're telling me the story? <laughs> yes, that's right. It was a dark <laughs> and stormy night. You know, but we are asked quite a bit, have you guys ever been so scared that you wanted to stop doing what you're doing? And the answer is no. But we did have one incident that truly, for me anyways, had me questioning why the hell we do what we do. <laughs> And it was it was it was a fall night. We were in so the, the the town is called Gulliver, Michigan. It's a old fishing town on the belly of the UP. It's right on the tip of Lake Michigan, and it's the home of Sishwa Point Lighthouse. And that has quickly become one of our favorite places. Probably our down yeah. so solid. If if we picked our top ten, this would be number one. Every number time. one. We yeah, call it our Disney World because. Every time we've gone there, and we've gotten to know the historical society who runs it, we've gotten to know them very, very well. We've run fundraisers for them. We've just got a great relationship with them. So they've asked us back a number of times. We've gone back a number of times on our own because this is one of those places that every time we walk away from, we're left scratching our heads with a few things that have happened. We're never leaving that place saying, wow, that was a quiet night. It's an amazing <laughs> place. So the, the the main ghost of Sishwa Point Lighthouse is Captain Joseph Willie Townsend. He was one of the, the lighthouse keepers there, and he did die in that home. His body was lay in wake in that home. And so he is said to be the main haunt of it. But there are said to be multiple haunts, a couple of them being female spirits as well. 
So this was our, our second or third return to Sichua. And one of the, the stories is that Captain Townsend loved to smoke cigars, but his wife would never let him smoke them in the house. So he always had to go out on the porch. Well, now you smell very strong cigar, pungent uh, cigar smells in the house these days. But what we did was we got there, we set our gear up, we hung out with uh, the, our friends from the uh, Historical Society for a while. Then they left, gave us the place to ourselves for the night. We said, all right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to lock the house down. We're just going to let our cameras and audio recorders do their thing with no one in the house. We're all going to go outside in the, in the, in the driveway for a while. And what we did was we all brought cigars to cheer Captain Townsend. So nice. we get out there, we all light our cigars, and and we say, Captain Townsend, thank you for allowing us to come back. And then we sat and choked for a while because none of us are smokers. <laughs> yeah. a sight in and of itself to behold. Yeah, it looked like a scene out of uh, high school where you're behind the, the building <laughs> trying to smoke that first cigarette. But yeah, so we're, you know, but we're, we're talking to him. We're, we're, we're thanking him for allowing us to come back, and we're hoping uh, for a great night. And, and we're going to be here for a while. And then we're all kind of sitting there talking. And But I start focusing on the windows that are facing us. There's four big windows facing us. They all kind of are part of different rooms. The one furthest, so if we're looking at it, the one furthest to our right is a part of the worker's kitchen. Then the two in the middle are part of the formal dining room. And then the one to the left is the family, which would have been the family kitchen. And I'm looking at the one furthest to the right, the worker's kitchen. And I see... All of a sudden, I see this shadow on the inside, this this dark shadow move across. The, the curtains were open, and it moves across the window, and I'm sitting there watching it, and I didn't realize that another member of ours, Matt Barr, was behind me, and he saw it too. He goes, did you just see that? And I said, yeah, you saw it? He says, yeah. I said, all right, I'm not crazy. So it's heading towards the formal dining room. So we immediately look at, or, or the, the rest of the group, you guys realize we were talking yeah. about there something like what just happened. And we explained to them what we saw. So everyone now starts focusing on the formal dining room window. Those windows, the curtains are closed. And as eight of us, eight sets of eyes are sitting here staring at the one window. The curtain pulls back as though someone is on the inside looking out to see who's out there making all the noise. Why are you on my property? And it stays open for like seconds. It wasn't just like something went by and blew it. It seemed like 10 minutes. It felt like it forever. Pro- it was probably 10 seconds. Yeah. If that. Right. But it's, <laughs> yeah. And it stays open. And then all of us just watch it slowly close. And a few seconds of us being stunned. Did and you then, see that? Did you see that? Yeah. What in the hell happened? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we start jumping around like kids on Christmas morning. And then it hits us. It's like, well, okay, now we got to do our job. Something just <laughs> happened. We got to get in that house. So myself and Steve LaPlante were the first two to get around the other side and get up to the front door. And that's that, that's that moment I was just talking about before we started the story. As I'm reaching for the door handle, not knowing what we're going to be greeted with and what we just witnessed, that is the one time in my head. I, and I turn and I look at Steve and I'm like, why the hell do we do this to ourselves? Because I didn't <laughs> know, what we, you know, so we open the door expecting to see something and we didn't but what we got blasted in the face with was this most strongest pungent smell of lilac but not real lilac that cheap lilac like your grandmother would wear the perfume yeah like yeah like the funeral home perfume yeah, yeah. and it blasted us in the face it was so strong and uh, you know so that moment that was one of those moments where 
you know, we can go on 20 cases and not experience a thing. And then you have a moment like that and it just recharges your battery. And that was many years ago for us. And we still talk about it like it was yesterday. And it's moments like that, that like Tim said, you, you go on case after case and nothing happens. You know, that's, that's the norm is nothing happens. And then when you have that event, it reaffirms your belief system, your, your whole reason to atra for being into this field. And, and that, that was the big one. That was the big one for the team, right. for the team together to all see this happen and then say, well, good luck, Tim and Steve, let us know what's in there. <laughs> yeah. And through the years, we've all had our own personal experiences. One or two of us may have experienced something. We've all caught, you know, voices and, and shadows on video and audio. But for that moment, for the entire team to experience it together, that's, first of all, it's pretty unique, pretty special that we all got to witness that. But when you can, when you have eight different people who can say, yes, this happened, you know, th- those are powerful moments. Yeah, in, in, indeed it is. And I have to ask the question because you said you put up, you put up cameras inside of, of the house and, and recording equipment and stuff. Did you actually capture the curtain being pulled back? Nope, not a thing. Well, but, so with that being said, though, we didn't have a camera on the actual window, but we did have a camera shooting through that formal dining room. So we were hoping we were at least going to see something on camera coming through the dining room. Right. And to our dismay, because what we witnessed, we saw nothing show up on the actual camera. Yeah. 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 Because you can, you know, it, it's, 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 you know, with the equipment that you have, you got to be very strategic of where you put it. And unfortunately, mm-hmm. you can't cover every square inch. Right. of the building. But I was just thinking that, man, that'd be, I got goosebumps when you're just telling me the story. So just to be able to see the video of that, I'd probably just like freak out. Go you know, and It would be interesting too, because that, you know, we've been doing this for over 20 years now and the cameras we had back on that investigation compared to the cameras we have today, mm-hmm. I would love for our cameras today to try to capture that because we're, we're just, we, you know, we're older now, we have better careers. <laughs> we've got a lot more money put into our gear. Back then we were, you know, we were scraping together what we could to make it work. And so it would have been interesting to see if the cameras we had today pit, were able to pick up any type of fluctuation. Yeah. Yeah. With all that night vision and infrared and everything else they got going on. So the, you know, the technology behind chasing ghost has really evolved. And with that being said, I want to state for the record that the spirit box absolutely creeps me out. I hate it. I can't, (laughs) you know, and and that's the weird thing. And Brad and I talk about this all the time. The spirit box is one of the most controversial pieces in the field, but my God, have we had some amazing responses with it. Yeah. Yeah. I know. That's why it scares the daylights out of me. Yeah. Basically a broken radio. You're, you're just taking transmission, you're taking signals and, and it keeps going back and forth, back and forth. And for some reason uh, on the odd occasion, you will get a direct answer to a question you ask, mm-hmm. or you'll get a, a direct statement coming through that correlates with the part of the investigation you're doing. Right. And, and it's, it's pretty bizarre. And that is one thing that does make the the hair on the back of my neck stand up when you get something coming across there. And it's being scanned so quickly that you, you, it, it's happening so fast. You, you shouldn't be picking up full words from the actual scan. So when you do get full words or on those occasions, when you get two or three words yeah. that come through you're that, like Brad said, that the hair stands up because yes. as fast as that thing's going, it shouldn't be happening unless it's something other than what's being scanned. Yeah. And what creeps me out is, uh, cause I've heard, uh, the spirit box on a number of these ghost hunting shows. And what creeps me out is those words that come out of the spirit box. They are all typically like either male or female, or 
and this is I, I got goosebumps just thinking about it, but either like like demonic, like some kind of a growl or something coming mm-hmm. through that thing. And that's just, man, that just keeps you awake for like hours <laughs> after I yeah, hear that. It does. And along those lines too, and I, Brad, you know, he'll, he knows what I'm going to say here. When you get, sometimes when we've gotten these through the years in an EVP session too, you pick up what's almost a digital sound, almost tinny, tinny. And to me, for whatever reason, those creep me out than say a growl. Or something, and I don't know why, but those tinny responses that it almost doesn't sound human, or is it just it's 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 exerting so much energy to try to even communicate whatever it is? It's just it, those ones creep me out the most. Yes, definitely, definitely. I do want to spend some time and talk about Michigan's paratourism industry. This is this is like a whole world. I I just never even I've never even knew existed. And part of that is you guys founded the the Michigan Paranormal Convention. Why don't you tell Convention. us a little bit about that? Yeah. Well, back uh, back before, as we said, when when we were trying to learn more and more, and the TV shows had just kind of started up, and, and Tim and I in particular did a lot of travel to different smaller conferences, places where people that were more or less legends in the field to us anyway uh, would be speaking at. And we would travel all over wherever these occurred because they weren't a regular thing at the time. They're not really now either, but they're, they're a little more, there's more of them out there. But we were coming back from a, a trip to Florida one year and we're on the plane and we're like, man, that was so cool. And, and they had some of the bigger names and we got to meet and sit and talk and have beers with these people and, and just trade, trade notes. And we said, God, do you think something like this would work in Michigan? And we got going back and forth on the concept of it. And and it kind of went on for, we probably went back and forth for about a month, two months. And we said, well, if we pitch it to the local casino, Kuwaitan Casino here in the Sioux, maybe they would be interested in hosting this. And as it happened, the head of their entertainment department at the time was a fan of the paranormal and was also looking for alternative forms of entertainment to start bringing in. So we we started forming our relationship with them at the time. And it's, uh, God, that's been 12 years now. 12 years. Yeah. Probably 13 since we first started putting it in motion. Mm -hmm. And and we're pretty fortunate to have the uh, Quaden Casino, the hotel and convention center we have here because it's a really unique place for a, a town our size. It's got a great amphitheater in it. It's got a nice hotel. It's got multiple bars, couple restaurants, and of course, all the gaming if you're into the casino part of it. So we're able to bring this event to one location where all the presenters and all the authors and all the TV stars stay there. A lot of the fans will book their rooms there so they can be around them all weekend long. So, and as Brad said, the the timing was perfect to come to, and they wanted something different. We wanted to try this and we had already made a few connections from the events we were going to. So we, uh, Brad and I sat down and we created that list uh, for that first ever one we did. It was uh, a couple of pre- presenters on Friday night and then all day Saturday. This year, if COVID hadn't happened, we would have celebrated our 11th anniversary. Um, but we've had to push that to 2021 now. But now we are up to... Well, by the time we get to next year, it's probably going to be almost all day Thursday. It's getting there. It's all day Thursday. It is all day Friday and all day Saturday. And it's grown to the largest paranormal gathering that the conference of its type in the Midwest. So uh, we're nice. pretty proud. It's still kind of shocked when we sit back and look at it that we were able to, to, to create this uh, pretty cool event that has become very special to a lot of people. 
And when when you have one of these conventions, just ballparking it, how many people usually usually come through the convention? Depending on the year, uh, anywhere from twelve hundred to fifteen hundred. I I suspect nice. next year, with having to postpone and with everything being postponed, that you know, God willing, things are back on track by next August. It's planned for the end of August that we will likely have the biggest crowd I think ever. Because when, so. when we announced the postponement, I I was very much shocked that there were few people who actually wanted a refund. Most people held their tickets. Mm-hmm. So we, we've already got a pretty good base of attendees and a year to push it yet. So yeah. it, nice. it's, we, we don't like to book much over 1500. In fact, that's kind of where the casino really wants us to fall in at. Right. But we, we've gone a little bit over that, but we, yeah, we try and keep it around that. We like to Keep it to the point that people get time with their favorite television stars and their favorite authors, and it's it's not overly crowded like one of the big you know, San Diego Comic Con or Dragon Con or, or these huge shows. It's a little more homey. It's uh, you know, grab a drink, come and sit at the table with us, and let's let's trade some stories. Let's- yeah, it's so open and relaxed mm-hmm. that way. Nice, yeah, nice. Yeah, that we, sounds appealing. We've already. We've already got most of because we folded over this year into 21. So most of the lineup is booked at this time. We're, we're still fooling around with a couple of the presentation spots, but you can, you can check everything out at don.com is the website and Michigan Paranormal Convention on Facebook and Twitter. Nice. Speaking of stories, because I know you guys probably have a good collection of them. You were telling me before I hit the record button that you have a book that's coming out. We do. This will be our second one that's coming out. Our first book, Supernatural Haunts, came out last summer. And Which, that's got, what, 10, 10 or 11 of our cases? Yeah, it's it's a tri-authored book by myself, Brad, and as Brad had mentioned, our third founding member, Steve LaPlante. We sat down, went through 20 years of our files. It, it was kind of fun to go back and read up on some of the files we hadn't done in years. And we went through and picked out uh, our favorites and compiled a, a book that we were approached to do this from Visionary Living uh, Publication. And we, we had always talked about it. We just didn't know how to start it or, mm-hmm. or, or how to publish it. And Visionary Publishing came to us and said, hey, did you guys ever thought of doing this? And it was, again, timing was perfect, and which has happened a lot in this field with us. And, and so, yeah, so we sat down, penned that. That was released last summer. And now Brad and I have sat down and started on a second book, which is not a follow-up to Supernatural Haunts. The second one coming out, which we're hoping will be out uh, in the next month or so, is based on legends and folklore and stories Monsters and cryptids, all yeah, of it. Big, anything weird and strange in the Great Lakes region. And by Great Lakes region, we mean all of the states that border the Great Lakes mm-hmm. and the lakes themselves. So there are stories from New York all the way over to Minnesota in this book. And right. It's a lot of firsthand accounts. There's a lot of folklore. Tim and I sat down and interviewed some experts in the, the field of ufology I got a phone call in with a marine biologist to talk about sea monsters. Yeah. Uh, we we just we brought all of this and all of these different fields that we loved as kids and have kept that passion alive and and tried to put all that into this new book. And yeah, the manuscript's been turned in. It's just with everything else with COVID, everything seems to be moving slower this right. year. The book was supposed to be out a month back, and now we're we're hoping to have it for a, a stocking stuff. <laughs> yes. 
Nice. And in addition to the book, you guys mentioned this before, again, before we hit the record button, you guys also actually, you have a podcast. Talk to us a little bit about what, what that is. Yeah. So it's it's a podcast, again, that Brad and I do. It's called Creaking Door Paranormal Radio. And it, again, it's, uh, you know, for so my profession is is radio. And Brad was actually worked in radio back in high school for part-time for one of the local radio stations. So we've always kind of had that connection through radio. We've got the connection through ghosts. And so the idea of putting together a podcast on the subject matter that we love was always a no-brainer. But again, much like the book, we're like, well, let's do this, but how and when and where do we start? Yeah. Well, it just so happened um, that uh, a gentleman who attended... Well, the funny story is that that term is used very loosely <laughs> yeah, with Bob, Bob Smith. So, so anyway, so he, here's, here's the funny story behind that clip. Do we have time for this? Yes, we do. Okay, perfect. So a guy named Bob Smith, he reached out to Brad and I, uh, much like you did uh, one day many years ago and, and wanted to do an interview for his podcast. It's called Slack Jaw Punks. And it's a, it's a podcast out of Detroit that, that focuses on comic books and monster movies. Pop culture. Yeah, pop, pop culture. And he said, hey, we would love to interview you guys. It's around Halloween. And we're like, yeah, sure. I'd love to. Well, we didn't find out till later, but we ended up having a great interview with him. I had a lot of fun. He, we invited him to our Michigan Paranormal Convention the, the following year. And he came and we finally got to meet him. And he sat down and he says, guys, I got, I got to be honest with you. He says, when I reached out to you guys to bring you on my podcast, I was actually, my intention was to bring you on, to embarrass you. And to, you know, to make you guys look like fools uh, for the what? simple fact. that Well, yeah, because for the simple fact that he's he's not a big believer in hauntings and ghosts. And he hated watching these TV shows that made everything seem like it was a ghost. Well, where we caught him off guard was Brad and I were talking about the fact that we always try to look for the rational explanation first. And more often than not, find it. Right. And so we don't go in wanting to find a ghost in someone's home. We don't want to tell uh, a family that, yeah, you've got something uh, from the other side in your home with you. <laughs> we want to give them rational explanations as to what could be happening. And he was so caught off guard by that, but respected it so much that he completely bailed ship on what he wanted to do on his show. And he admitted that to us at, at, at the, the convention that year. And we laughed about it, but you know, it, we had no idea what was coming. We were just went on. We were ourselves. We told our story and it, it seemed to have saved our butts a little bit. So, <laughs> so anyway, so, so, so Bob owns, or he does Slack Jaw Punks, the podcast. And he says, have you guys ever thought of doing a podcast? Well, much like the book, we're like, why? Yes, we have. <laughs> uh, and I said, but we just don't have the platform for it. He says, well, I'm just starting a platform at slackjawpunks.com. I want to bring in a whole arsenal of different podcasts, and I don't have anyone that does a paranormal one. Love to have you guys. And that was five years ago now? Six. Somewhere around there, five, yeah. six years back. Yeah, and then awesome. uh, we're actually coming up on our anniversary. Our first show we ever did was on Krampus right around Christmas time. And yeah, so so yeah, so Creaking Door Paranormal Radio is out there on the all the all the streaming medias. You Spy, can, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Stitcher Slack Job. Yeah. And we've been fortunate through the years through Paracon and all of our travels that we've gotten to be friends with people from most of the big TV shows that are out there, the right. reality, quote unquote, reality ghost hunting shows. So we've, right. we've been able to enlist a lot of them to, to come on and record shows with us over the years. Mm -hmm. So it, it's a lot of fun. We just, it's a labor of love. We, we really enjoy doing it. We, we don't 
make a dollar. No, so. we just have fun with it. <laughs> nice. So if you're making a dollar off yours, Cliff, you let us know the secret. All right. Cause we haven't figured it out yet. <laughs> well, remember that uh, little box that you checked that says, you know, if the, uh, I've read the terms and conditions of this interview. There you go. <laughs> That's where I didn't read the terms and conditions, the, the right? Fine, the fine print. <laughs> that fine Nobody print ever does. Awesome. Uh, before you mentioned something about how you do like, uh, you do like a live show on the radio on October 30th. Yep. Correct. Is Every that something? Year. Every year. So is that something that, because I know a lot of radio shows also stream their stuff online. Is that something where like somebody down here, if they just wanted to tune in uh, to see what you guys were doing, is that something that they could go to a website and uh, and listen in? First of all, if you follow the Upper Peninsula Paranormal Research Society on Facebook, we'll post the link there. Otherwise, you can, so the, the radio station we do it on is a radio station that, that I own now, and it's Eagle Radio 95.1. So the, the, the streaming is at Eagle Radio 951 the numbers.com so eagle radio 951.com we stream 24 7 on there and we'll be streaming the night of october 30th starting at usually right around 9 p.m and and we go live with the team uh, from an undisclosed haunted location and we nice. only reveal where we're at at the end of the night if the owners of the location allow us to okay great yeah one of the one of the questions that i wanted to ask you guys and you kind of already alluded to this but I wanted to give like, if somebody were to, to say to you, you know, I, man, I would really like, you know, like the three, you know, like it seems like just a hotbed of activities for places. And I, and I know you mentioned the, uh, the name escapes me, the, the Sushwan. Yeah. yeah Sushwan Point. So you, you mentioned the, the lighthouse there with the curtain. What are, yeah. what are a couple of other places that are just, just absolutely, you know, either got a lot of activity, just absolutely creep you out. What, what are, what are some of those places? Mackinac Island. Mm. Mackinac Island. Really? In the biggest tourist trap in all of Michigan. It, it's Mackinac Island. Uh, a lot of the tourist trade that goes across doesn't realize that whole island is built up on an ancient Indian burial ground. And that's that's where the native tribes in the area used to take their their revered elders and bury them, the chiefs, the shaman. That's this is total poltergeist right here. Oh, yes, you bet. And if you talk to one of the locals on the island, they'll tell you, and they're only half joking, you don't dig to start a construction project over there without hitting bone. Yeah. And, and a lot of the island is that way. There's so many amazing ghost stories. I I think my favorite, because we've stayed there several times, investigated multiple times, is uh, Mission Point Resort. Mm. And that's, there, there's such a great backstory on that. It would take me 20 minutes to tell it all. It's, it's in the Pernatural Haunts book, conveniently enough. <laughs> and, uh, but it's, I mean, some of the activity we've caught there, the main ghost that they claim haunts the, and haunts the entire grounds of it was a student back when the, the main grounds were Mackinac College, which lasted for four years. And he supposedly committed suicide up on the bluff. We, we checked, there was a student that did that. Uh, and they claim they see him all around, but there's other entities that are seen. There, there's a lot of doppelganger activity. I, mm -hmm. I experienced what? that. I had someone yeah. see me, tried to follow me to to talk to me about a presentation Tim and I had given there at an event. And they said, well, you went in the bathroom and I waited and you never came out. And I went in and no one was there. Mm -hmm. And then afterwards, I had someone else tell me they saw me behind stage. And when they, they turned around and I came in from the back doors. So, and apparently this happens with quite a few people there and the, the Pukwajanini, the, yes. the vanishing little people or the fairies of the island, their ghost lights, I, I guess would be a simplified way to say it, but we've experienced these where these lights shoot 
top speed will stop in front of you, warp around you. Yeah, it's it's, it's not a firefly. It's not natural. No, it's it's right? much bigger than a firefly. So, Cliff, have you ever been to the island? Yeah, I, 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 admittedly, I have not been to Mackinac Island since uh, since my return last November. But as a kid, yes, I was over there multiple times. Sure. If you go as an adult, and especially now that you're kind of opening yourself up really to at least the possibility of, you know, this other world being out there, if you will, the moment you step on Mackinac Island, you feel the energy. There's an energy about that island. It doesn't matter where you go. Places like uh, Mission Point, definitely uh, you feel it more. But that that whole place is just a magnet for amazing activity yeah we, we've caught in some of our best evidence there in for the sure yep. yeah yeah nice. and, then if, and then if we had to pick a third it'd be kind of a toss-up you know if you want to hear of another lighthouse it would be whitefish point lighthouse absolutely which is of course very famous because of the wreck of the edmund fitzgerald you know it was trying to get just past the the lighthouse to get into whitefish bay during the storm that took it down so it's just crashed, it wrecked just 20 miles out from there. And the actual mm. bell from the ship is on display at the Great Lakes Shipwreck Museum, which is there at the point. Right. And we've investigated that a number of times with some amazing activity that was picked up. And then something even closer to home, so I guess maybe an honorable mention right here in the Sioux, is a museum ship we have called the Valley Camp. And it, it doesn't have a dark history by any means, but... We have investigated it again a number of times, and we just some of the stuff we've picked up from there has been pretty, pretty amazing, actually. Yeah, it's a retired Great Lakes mm-hmm. ore freighter, and it's docked right down on the waterfront, and it's open for tours during during the summer months. That's what we tried to stick to in the book too: was places that people can visit, can book rooms at. We we didn't want to get into off limit places and and try and encourage people to go and break and sure. entering or, right. you know, just snoop around. So yeah, these, these are all public places that people can come up and check out, you know, call ahead, check on hours, get online, especially with COVID because uh, everybody yeah. seems to be operating at, at restricted hours right now. But yeah, any of these places you can get into and by all means ask, you know, ask your bartender, if you're in a haunted bar, if you're in a, a hotel, ask the desk clerk about mm-hmm. their ghost stories. And most of the time, if, if you've heard a ghost story, the people working there know it. Yeah, they and love to share it. They love to share it. And they most of the time will give you a more in-depth look at the real history and the real story and the real happenings. You bet. Nice. And that's actually when, when I travel, that's one of my, my favorite things to do. And one of the reasons why I started the podcast was, you know, just going and asking these people questions just like that. And so I'm going to have to add that now to, to my list of questions when I'm chatting with people when I'm, when I'm out and about. You bet. That's excellent. Now, if somebody's listening to this podcast and they want to follow what you guys are doing out there on on the socials or whatever it is, what's what's the best way for them to be able to connect with you? Well, we got uh, three of them at least, three platforms you can follow <laughs> us on. One of them I nice. already mentioned, uh, the Upper Peninsula Paranormal Research Society, which is our our team's page on Facebook, and that, that uh, and probably gets updated the most. I would say so. That that probably three. gets updated the most, and if somebody wants to send us a message, that normally gets checked on a daily basis. Right. Yeah. And if people are l- looking to contact us for cases or for help or even questions, that's that's the best one to send it to. And then now, do, uh, now when you guys when you guys do your investigations, do you also post the evidence that you find to your Facebook page? No, in, unless. It, it is a public location that explicit permission that, yes, we don't mind if you put this out there, yeah. but 
Gotcha. Okay. We, we still try and be pretty discreet on what we do because there are, and it, let's face it, this still creeps a lot of people out. And there are a lot of the locations we go into that might be public businesses or locations that they don't want that haunted reputation around their operation. And not only that, but if we're in a, that as a business, but if we're in someone's personal home and it's their life we're dealing with, we, we keep that as, as under lock and key as we can. Okay. That makes sense. How else yeah. can people connect with you? So we got two other places. Uh, the other one would be through Brad and I with our Creaking Door Paranormal Radio. We have a Facebook page for that as well, where we post all of our shows too, once they're posted and ready to go. And if we're out speaking at any engagements, we'll yeah. share it there as well. That'll be there. And we, we also have a Twitter page for Creaking Door. Mm-hmm. And for a Michigan Paranormal Convention, the, the Facebook page is Michigan Paranormal Convention. I believe the Twitter page is MI Paracon. Yes, I believe so. Those are on there. So yeah, yeah, if if you want to hit us up directly, if you have any questions about anything we've talked about today, go to the UPPRS, the Upper Peninsula Paranormal Research Society page, and and you can can catch us there. For sure. Nice. And for the audience, I will definitely make sure to have all of these links to all this yummy information in the show notes down below. Perfect. We appreciate that. Yeah. And Brad, Tim, it's, it's been awesome having you on the podcast. I'm actually bummed this interview's over. Cliff, we're happy to come back anytime you want us back. We appreciate you reaching out to us. Uh, it was an honor to be with you for sure. Anytime we can sit and talk about ghosts and, and share some experiences and have a laugh, we, we're always up for it. Yeah. And I tell you one thing I would like to do is that I am going to put you on the spot right here. So don't uh-huh. hate me for it. But one of the things that I always thought would be really cool to do is to uh, do a uh, do a podcast episode on an investigation. So next October, when hopefully when everything's back to normal again, I'll hit you guys up and maybe I can tag along on one of your investigations. Let's make it happen. Let's make it happen. We would love to have you. Hey, everyone. If you enjoyed this episode, then subscribe to our email newsletter. When you subscribe, you'll get new episode announcements. You'll get all kinds of great behind the scenes information on upcoming guests. Plus, you'll receive special offers from our guests and partners that you can only get through the email newsletter. Subscribing is quick, easy, and best of all, it is free. Just go to callofleadership.com email, type in your email address, and you're done. Once again, that's callofleadership.com email. I'll catch you in the next episode.